Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 4, titled Subject 9. Man, this episode's a real... Error. (laughs) Every time. Every time 404 comes up. I always have to make that joke. I can't stop myself. And it's never not funny to me. I'm sure everyone else hates it. I'm sure everyone else wishes I'd stop making that joke. But I can't. I physically can't. It's too good. (laughs) Anyway, this episode's great. This episode's a really, really phenomenal one. Uh, A huge episode. A really, really big freaking episode. And I can't wait to get into the substance of it. But first, of course, we're still in an alternate timeline. We're still in the early days. We're still kind of figuring stuff out. And so, we must now get into things that are different. (laughs) Yet another thing that's stupid and I can't physically stop myself from doing. So, there's a few things that are like huge, huge standout things that are different. Uh, the main one being Cortexafan related, or the main two rather being Cortexafan related. First off, uh, turns out in this timeline, we've never met any Cortexafan subjects before this episode, uh, before the events of this episode. Cameron James, uh, Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther himself is the first one. By the way, Jack- Chadwick Boseman is incredible in this episode, and it was bittersweet to see him after, of course, for those of you who don't know, he passed away recently, uh, a few months ago. Uh, at a way too young age, uh, from, I believe it was cancer, uh, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was something to see him in this episode after, uh, having spent quite a bit of time mourning such a talented, talented actor, so, R.I.P., Wakanda forever, all that. Anyway, on less somber note, uh, (laughs) so... Nick Lane, uh, James Heath, all those people, we haven't heard from any of them. We haven't seen any of them. None of them have come out of the woodwork. None of them have reared their ugly heads. Uh, it's all gone. All the Cortexafan subjects are just nowhere to be found. Also, Olivia ran away from the trials in this timeline. Uh, which actually makes a lot of sense, given that uh, this whole uh, whole deal, this whole flashback episode they did in season three, where Olivia was at the Cortexa fan trials and she ran away, she didn't meet Peter uh, in that field. 
in the middle of all that craziness. Uh, and she never had that anchor to bring her back, so she just kept running, I guess, and just never came back to the Cortexafan trials, which is very, very interesting. Uh, it wasn't just a simple, we moved away type deal. Uh, also, off of the Cortexafan stuff, uh, apparently Elizabeth Bishop, Walter's wife, she did kill herself in this timeline, that's still the same, but that fate seems to have been accelerated to right after the other Peter died. Right after both Peters uh, were dead and there was no hope of her seeing her son again, which also makes a dark amount of sense. I mean, Walter spent a lot of time, Walter had a big moment where he was like, hey, listen... Buddy, like, you, you're mourning our son, but let's take comfort in the fact that there's another Peter over there, and he's still gonna grow up, and he's gonna have a life just not here. Like, let's take comfort in that. And then, uh, that other Peter died, and it's like, ugh, yeah, I, I could totally understand how that would be the final nail in the coffin for her psyche, and then... She would eventually get so depressed to the point where she would unfortunately take her own life. Like, it makes a dark amount of sense, unfortunately. But yeah, that, that timeline seems to have accelerated on that event. Also, less morbid, uh, apparently Nina Sharp knew Olivia as a child in this timeline. Uh, because we have that one moment where Nina's talking to Olivia and Nina's like, I haven't seen you this nervous since Bobby Hastings asked you to the prom and like Olivia has that like smile on her face like it, it was the familiarity of someone who knew Olivia when she was a child of course in our original timeline Olivia didn't meet Nina until she joined Fringe Division so again that timeline somehow accelerated we don't know to what extent yet and we will cover that Nina Sharp in the alternate timeline has such a shift, and quite honestly, it's among the most fascinating shifts of any character in the entirety of the alternate timeline storyline. And I do, I do kind of love everything they do with Nina Sharp in this season. So we'll definitely spend a lot of time diving into everything that happens with her. Uh, and that's it for things. That are different. I hate that so much. I hate that I'm doing that. I I hate myself for indulging that. Anyway, so the hook of this episode is there is this weird entity showing up at wherever Olivia is, showing up near Olivia in her apartment, wherever she's at. Uh, just. Causing some chaos, wreaking some havoc. Uh, it's messing with time. Uh, it's messing with magnetic fields, like causing a lot of magnetism and all that. We don't know what the hell this is, but it's wreaking a lot of havoc. It burned Olivia when it touched her. Uh, it made Walter see things on Ashid's little recording device, on Ashid's little uh, camera, before they actually happened. Like, it recorded something before it occurred. And this is just stalking Olivia, and we don't know why. 
And so we're investigating this, we're investigating this, we're investigating this. And eventually Walter comes up with a theory that, like, there was one Cortexafan subject, Cameron James, who, well, okay, Walter doesn't know his name. He just remembers him as Subject 9, and they have to go through files uh, to find out who Subject 9 was, and it ended up being Cameron James. Uh, But there was this one kid in the trials who developed an ability for astral projection, and if he did it, the side effect was distorting magnetic stuff, and a bunch of metal would go flying every single time he did it. So, we try to track this guy down, and in the midst of this, Walter decides he wants to leave the lab for the first time in three years. Remember, in this alternate timeline, he doesn't leave the lab. He remains isolated all the time. And he decides to leave the lab, saying it's because, like, you need me, you need me for this. But really, Walter found this note in Olivia's jacket, this letter in Olivia's jacket, recommending that he go back to St. Clair's. And Olivia hasn't decided whether or not to actually say, I recommend hospitalization or I don't recommend hospitalization. Uh, It was from the guy who checks in on him doing the monthly evaluations from St. Clair's. And and Walter found that note and was like, I have to prove that I'm useful. I have to prove that my weirdness doesn't outweigh my usefulness. I'll go outside with Olivia. And by the way, I, I should mention, they do say he hasn't left the lab in three years. But we did see the moment after Peter got erased and the timeline reset, Walter was at Liberty Island, was still at Liberty Island. And a lot of people would probably point this out as a plot hole. And it's understandable. It's totally understandable why on the surface level that would be like a quote-unquote plot hole. I think this can be very easily explained by just saying the timeline took a bit to fully solidify in its new version. Especially since, like, this was not a natural paradox that had been created. This was, like, the machine, as we've talked about, fully saying, nope, you're out. Like, nope, you're out of that timeline. Uh, because, like, the reciprocal nature, Peter made the machine irrelevant, so the machine made Peter irrelevant. Yada, yada, yada. So, it makes sense that we'd have, like, you know in Back to the Future, when Marty prevents his parents from getting in a relationship and from marrying and all that and having kids, and he doesn't, like, blink out of existence immediately, like, the picture slowly dissolves, like, slowly... The brother's erased, slowly the sister's erased, and then slowly Marty starts to be erased before he uh, does the thing and gets his parents back together. I think it's something like that where it took a little bit to fully solidify. It took a little bit to fully reset. Like, it wasn't a light switch, it was a dial. It was like this wave of new timeline that sort of progressed out, like, sort of went out slowly but surely, and then eventually, by the time season four itself starts, in, like, however much time passed between seasons, the timeline just fully reset. Like, first the first Peter went, then the memories of Peter, then all the other stuff that happened because Peter was not in the timeline. 
Like, I think it's better. I think it's very easily explained with that. But I can understand how people would consider it a plot hole. But I can easily explain it off. I can easily suspend disbelief there. But anyway, we get this whole arc of Walter outside of the lab. And it's incredible. It's magnificent. It is absolutely fantastic. Every second we see Walter struggling with life outside the lab, struggling to function outside the lab is fantastic. Uh, we see this uh, bond between him and Olivia that is honestly, like, probably a bit stronger than it was in the original timeline because there was that buffer that was Peter and Olivia... Walter and Olivia still had a connection. They still had, like, an emotional whatever. But, like, Walter's anchor was Peter. And Olivia, in this timeline, sort of is Walter's new anchor to a certain extent in this particular arc. And it's amazing to see Olivia sort of take on the Peter role or the Astrid role and take care of Walter in this way. Uh, It's really amazing. That sequence in the hotel room was incredible. And John Noble, again, I know, like, every other episode I'm talking about, oh my god, look how great John Noble is. Oh my god, look how great John Noble is. But, like, oh my god, look how great John Noble is. (laughs) Like, he really is that good. He does deserve me constantly praising him. Uh, He nails it when he's having this freak out in the hotel room. He nails it so well. Uh, And Anna Torv reciprocates that. In a really earnest and amazing way. And she does a spectacular job as well. Uh, But that whole arc of him outside uh, the lab for the first time in however many years is spectacular. It's really, really great. Uh, But eventually we finally meet Cameron James. We finally meet this dude. He runs away initially. He actually changed his name to Mark Little. Which we find out was because he... Cameron James was his father's name. Uh, and his father signed him up for the Cortexa fan trial so he'd get the money. So he could do more drugs. And he was not happy about that. He basically sees his father as having ruined his life. So he was like, you know what? I'm changing my name. I don't care. I don't, I don't want this asshole's name. So, he did that. He did the thing. Which, good on him. Uh, and eventually, after this chase happens and Olivia starts interrogating this dude, he recognizes Olivia, recognizes her as Olive. Uh, he recognizes Walter instantly and is like, Hey, asshole, you turned me into a freak. You ruined my life. And oh my god. How is it a surprise to anyone that, Jad- that Chadwick Boseman became such a huge deal. How was it a surprise to anyone that Chadwick Boseman would, in just half a decade, take on the role of Black Panther? This was like five years before Civil War happened, so a full half decade before anyone saw him as Black Panther. Uh, how was it a surprise to anyone that he took on that Black Panther role and became such a powerhouse in the four movies he was in? Uh, Civil War, Infinity War, or Civil War, Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame. Uh, I'm a nerd. Uh, how is it a surprise to anyone that this dude became such a powerhouse actor? How is it a surprise to anyone that this dude became a legendarily brilliant performer? Because he genuinely, I swear to God, this is not my nerd brain, 
sort of elevating him. This is not any of that. This is genuinely, I genuinely believe this. This is one of the best guest actors in all of French. Chadwick Boseman, he's certainly the best of the Cortexa fan subjects. And I kind of wish they did more with him. This was the only episode he was in, unfortunately. I kind of wish they spent more time with this character because he was the most interesting of the Cortexa fan subjects. He definitely gave the best performance of all the people who played Cortexa fan subjects. Uh, His scene where he's telling Olivia and Walter how much his life was ruined, he freaking nailed it. He was spectacular. He was absolutely amazing. When he's recounting the story of that date he went on, when he said something stupid and got embarrassed and got anxious and he ended up pulling accidentally the metal fillings in her teeth, like, out of her mouth. And it's just like, yeah, thanks for that. That's how my life is now. Uh, Apparently... He's kept his, the side effect, he's kept the side effects of his abilities, but not the actual ability. Like, just whenever, whenever he has anxiety, whenever he has, like, an emotional bomb go off in his head, metal starts flying everywhere. And that's sort of the thing that made him... That sort of ruined his life. That sort of made him a recluse. That sort of made him get this apartment with no metal anywhere or anything like that. It's, the whole thing is heartbreaking. It really, really is. Like, and this scene is so filled to the brim with just despair and just with horror and just utter depression over where this guy's life went because Walter experimented on him, because he did that Cortexa fan stuff, and it's it's magnificent. Chadwick Boseman was a legend. Chadwick Boseman was an absolute legend. Uh, you see that in his Black Panther roles. You see that in any of his major film roles, like with Marshall or with anything he's ever done. And you especially, you even see that in this one episode of Fringe he was in. This one episode of Fringe he was in almost a decade ago. Uh, you see it there. And it's it's incredible. That dude, oh man. That dude, he, he was taken too soon. He really, really was. Like, all, all nerd joy aside, all joking aside, like, that man... He should have had many, 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 many more years, and we should have gotten many, 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 many more brilliant, brilliant film roles from him. And uh, the fact that he passed away, the fact that he passed away so soon, it's just horrible. Absolutely horrible. Uh, Anyway, again, lighter note, we find out that this entity is... Absolutely 100% not Cameron James. It's absolutely not him. He's not doing it. He had nothing to do with this. In fact, he hasn't thought about Olivia in years. But when this entity shows up again and starts attacking, Cameron is able to banish it. Cameron's little 
manipulation of magnetic fields and all that is able to sort of push it away. Now, at this point, Walter edits his theory that apparently, instead of actually disturbing magnetic fields or whatever, it's more of a disruption in time. Which explains the weird time hiccups that we've been seeing. Uh, The alarm clock at the beginning of this episode. As I mentioned, the recording of the incident before it occurred and all that. And so on and so forth. And... The magnetic field disruption is merely a side effect. But we have to take it out, we have to kill it, and... We have to do it now or else it'll keep growing and growing and growing and start causing all this destruction, blah, 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 blah. So the only person who can do this is Cameron James because he can manipulate uh, magnetic fields and because he can redirect energy. Uh, they go to this power grid and are like, okay, let's wait for this entity. Let's wait for this entity when it shows up. Uh, Cameron James uses his ability, uh, redirects the power from the power grid, redirects the fields from the power grid, and just adds that to his own abilities, and poof, the thing is gone. By the way, Cameron presents his own theory that Olivia is doing this herself and doesn't know it. This is Cortexafan. Cortexafan has a role, which... Royals did say, indelible mark on the soul, and, like, that can never be erased. Certain people leave indelible mark on the soul that can never be erased. Royals did say that, and Cortexafan does deal with perception, and... There is the whole thing of we do know that the machine's reciprocal nature and all of that is somewhat temporary, or at least was when uh, Peter uh, was weaponized that one time. And we do know that, like, He stopped being a weapon, a full-blown weapon, when, like, Walter had an emotional plea to him, and Cortexafan is heightened by emotions. Maybe. Oh, I I did kind of get ahead of myself a little bit. We do find out that this entity is Peter, and this is, like, the final burst of Peter coming back. To the world. When this entity shows up, we do start the thing, and then Olivia sees that this entity is starting to take the shape of Peter. Doesn't know it's Peter, but it's the shape of the man she's been seeing in her dreams, and and that Walter's been seeing in the lab. And Olivia's like, "Hey, no, stop! Don't, don't, don't do it! Stop doing the thing!" Fires a gun in the air, breaks Cameron's concentration, and then the thing disperses. And in that very moment, Peter pops up. In Raiden Lake! Yep! That's a thing! That is a thing that has occurred! Peter's back! He popped up in Raiden Lake. I'm guessing exactly the place where he died in this timeline. I'm just gonna 
say that. Uh, father and son take him out of the lake, and he starts spouting out a bunch of classified information and start talking about how he knows everyone at French Division and all that. This goes up the train to Broyles, who then calls Olivia and is like, so there's this guy who popped up in the middle of Raiden Lake and is saying a lot of stuff that is very classified and only people in this division would know and saying a lot of stuff and is talking a lot about how he knows all of us and all of that. And they go to the hospital. Olivia and Walter go to the hospital. By the way, Walter sees the letter again and sees that Olivia checked. Uh, I do not recommend hospitalization, which, great. Walter not going back to St. Clair's. That's good. That's all amazing. Olivia goes into the hospital room, sees Peter, and Peter's like, Oh, Olivia, thank God you're here. And Olivia's like, Who the hell are you? And that's the end. So Peter's back, but of course... Timeline where he died as a kid. Timeline where he never grew up. No one knows who he is. Oh, this, my friends, this is where it gets interesting. Because now, now we have a voice of the audience there. Now we have, like, a little guide that is from our original timeline, our holdout from an original timeline that is now here and has the memories of that original timeline. And now we have that guide through the weird world of this alternate timeline. Now we have that guy to be the voice of the audience to say, Hey, this is different. What the hell? Hey, this didn't happen like this. What the hell? Like, now we have that guide. And so, suddenly this becomes a lot more accessible. Suddenly, the weirdness that is this timeline becomes a lot more accessible. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, uh, this is a great episode, and I can't wait to talk about talk more about the aftermath of Peter's return, because it's very, very interesting. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in. As well, it's as simple as just a personal button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll put up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, on Monday, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 5. Talk to you then.